Chapter 33 Mama is Missing Walter and I figured we could milk Hattie's death, at least until her funeral. When we asked Daddy on Wednesday evening whether we could have one more day of mourning, he agreed without hesitation. And so, early Thursday, as soon as Castor's sharp clip-clopping faded over the hill, we gathered Pip and the puppy and hurried out to the boat. No one was waiting for us on top of Emerald Hill, but by this point we had learned not to expect it as a given. As had become customary, the puppy scampered off into the woods ahead of us, this time in the direction of Mama's cabin. I set course to follow him, but Walter had a different plan. Mama was staying with Hattie last night, remember? Let's go to the treehouse. As much as I wanted to, it was hard to argue with his logic, so off toward the treehouse we went. Like the fabled wolf, we huffed and puffed up the winding staircase, but when we reached the immense bedroom at the top, we found it inhabited only by one. Good morning, Hattie called cheerily, as we fanned out at the top of the stairs. She was sitting at a little table, and in front of her was a steaming bowl of oatmeal. Morning, returned Walter. Where's Mama? Hattie shrugged and said, She got up early this morning and left with the baby. She was being really quiet, but I woke up anyway. I don't know where she went. She probably went to the cottage to make breakfast, I supposed. And whatever she's making, added Walter, it's probably a hell of a lot better than that porridge you're eating. Against this, Hattie raised no arguments. She pushed the bowl aside and followed us back down the cathedral's worth of steps we had climbed moments earlier. Unlike the previous afternoon, Hattie heard no strange voices as we traversed the flagging between her treehouse and Mama's cottage. But when we arrived upon the grounds, I noticed two things out of order. First, there was no smoke rising from the chimney, which meant Mama wasn't working in the kitchen. Second, our dog wasn't heralding our approach by yapping like a maniac from the interior windowsill as he had in the past. Walter opened the door and stepped in ahead of us. We followed, but all was quiet within. Mama? Walter called, glancing this way and that. Where are you? Check the cradle, I said, pointing to the corner where the baby always seemed to be sleeping. Why don't you? Walter snapped. Rather than let it become another argument, I strode over to the bassinet and looked inside. No baby. Only a crumpled blanket lay within. I wonder where they went, Hattie mused. The silence was off-putting. We were used to feasts and merriment, stories and songs here, but in the infant light of morning, a heavy loneliness lay draped over the four walls of the cottage, one accentuated by the illuminated particles of dust wandering among the sunbeams. Without warning, as if a small explosion had happened nearby, the air around us seemed to pulse. Startled, we glanced around the cottage. It didn't take long to recognize the cause of the disturbance. The diminutive form of Gurgen the Goblin had appeared, 
and presently stood upon the dining-room table. Hattie screamed. She had not yet seen the flesh-and-blood incarnation of our one-time antagonist. It's okay, Walter assured her, squeezing her hand. That's Gergen, just like I told you yesterday. He's here, too. Gergen gave a rapid, almost frantic bow and said, I'll be pleased to make the young Mrs. acquaintance later. For the moment, I have much more pressing business to share with you. A chord of concern thrummed through my innards. It wasn't like Gergen to show up uncalled for. I knew we were in for nothing good. It's your mother, he went on without waiting for a response. This morning I decided I would fish the south shore. Not five minutes ago, I came across her there, alone and standing in the water. I tried to speak with her, but she wouldn't respond. She simply went right on staring across the lake. Walter glanced sharply at me, then back at Gergen. Take us there, he ordered. Gergen snapped his fingers. The same sudden darkness we had first experienced in his cave consumed us again, but only for a second. Then daylight enveloped us, and we found ourselves on the southern shore, not far from the Hellhound's cave. Our puppy had beat us there. Madly he yapped at a figure standing unresponsive in the shallows. It was Mama. Her back was toward us, and Lakewater lapped gently at her bare ankles and the hem of her dress. She seemed as oblivious to our arrival as she was to the dog's incessant racket. Except for a few loose strands of hair caught in the chilly breeze, she was utterly catatonic as she stared south across the water. Her body was so rigid, I wondered whether she had stopped breathing altogether. Peter, look, Walter whispered, pointing. It took me a moment to realize what it was he wanted me to see, or rather, not see. When I did, my insides fell. Mama's hands hung at her side, clenched into tight fists, the sling still tied loosely around her torso, riffled like a lazy flag in the breeze. Most notably, there was no longer any baby in it. Mama! Pip cried with a tremble in his voice. But my little brother may as well have been shouting at a statue. Mama didn't so much as flinch. Come out of the water, Mama, I shouted, adding my plea to Pip's. Perhaps his little voice had gotten lost on the breeze. Still, no response. Always the man of action, Walter kicked off his shoes and socks and waded out into the frigid water. When he reached Mama's side, he peered up at her. As he gingerly took her hand, he spoke a single word, so soft I could hardly hear it. Mama. She exhaled a tremendous sigh and glanced down at my brother. All at once, she dropped to her knees right there in the shallows, as her body convulsed with unabashed sobs. Oh, Walter, Walter, she moaned, pulling him close. In a voice more miserable than I had ever heard her use before, she cried, Gone, gone, my baby is gone, 
Where? he asked. Where only I can follow, she answered vaguely. Is that where you were going? Is that why you were out here? Mama shook her head but gave no further answer. Will you go after him? pressed Walter. But Mama became too caught up in another violent fit of sobbing to answer. She clutched him, clung to him, and he clung to her in return. It was an unnerving and unprecedented role reversal. There in the water, my strong and fearless mother was playing the part of the wounded child. Walter, meanwhile, had been thrust into the role of comforting parent. His arms became the refuge in which she might safely weep her well of tears. After a minute of this, Walter said gently, Come up out of the water with me. He steadied her as she rose to her feet. Side by side, they sloshed back to shore. Mama was deathly quiet as they approached us, but her tears did not cease their flowing down her anguished face. Never had I seen her so despondent. What happened, Mama? Pip asked with innocent concern. She dropped to her knees in front of him and cupped his rosy-cheeked face in her hands. Nothing for you to worry about, Pippi. All you need to know is that you're my baby again. For now, anyway. Before Pip could reply, Gergen's small voice squeaked, Would you care for me to return you home, dear Rosalie? Mama cast the little goblin a sideways glance. She looked exhausted, broken, as she sighed and said, To my cottage. Home, we all knew, was impossible, even for Gergen. One finger snap later, we stood again within the four quaint walls of the cottage, all except Mama, who was still kneeling with Pip in her arms. Without even bothering to change out of her wet dress, she shuffled to the sofa and collapsed onto it. Within moments, she was snoring lightly. Like a frightened child, she found safe haven from her distress in the oblivion of sleep. It was Walter whom Gergen now addressed, as he said, I believe I have stumbled into a sensitive family situation. I did not mean to meddle though it was fortunate I found her when I did. Thanks, Gergen, Walter replied distractedly. He was staring at Mama, clearly perplexed. I'll leave her in your hands, then, continued the goblin. If you need me, call for me day or night, and I'll be here. We will, Walter answered. A rippling of air accompanied Gergen's instantaneous departure from the cottage. Then all was still again. I looked around at my brothers, at Hattie, and wondered if I appeared as helpless as they did. Even the incurably carefree Pip seemed drawn to earth by the gravity of what we had witnessed. Although this apparently did nothing to curb his incurable appetite, because two seconds later he was digging through the fruit bowl on the dining room table. What now? I asked. Walter and Hattie both shrugged. They had as many answers as I did. Figuring what Mama needed more than anything was peace and quiet, we spent the next couple hours outside in the enchanted garden. 
Pip busied himself there with puerile games of imagination, and our puppy joined him. Certainly he was much more entertaining than Walter, Hattie, and I, who were mostly doing nothing. Lounging upon the lawn, we grazed on various fruits from Mama's magical orchard and waited. In hushed tones, we theorized about what might have happened to Mama and the baby, but since none of us had actually been present, the discussion was fruitless, serving no purpose but to pass the time. Walter would peek periodically through the window to check on Mama, but she slept on and on, and I began to wonder if she would ever awaken again. She did. Still out in the garden, we detected the muffled whimpers of her waking through the cottage walls. Hurrying inside, we discovered her bent over the bassinet, staring down at the empty place where her baby would never lie again. As at the lakeshore, it was Walter who summoned the courage to approach her. He slipped his hand around her own and pulled her, gently but steadily, away from the bassinet. Come on, Mama, he urged her. Let's go to the treehouse. I thought his entreaty was a bit abrupt, even rude considering Mama's obvious grief, until I realized what he was doing. He was less interested in going to the treehouse than he was in coaxing Mama away from her cottage. Or, more accurately, away from anything which would remind her of the baby, a baby who no longer was. Mama didn't argue. She nodded her head in vigorous agreement, and off we went with no further discussion. We were halfway there when Hattie dug her heels into the earth and halted. Like the day before, she stared off into the trees, searching intently yet uncertainly. Walter and I looked too, but all we saw were empty trees. Who are you? Hattie cried out, more with curiosity than with fear. Was that your voice I heard yesterday? I sensed a prickling in my flesh. Whoever Hattie was shouting at was someone I could neither see nor hear. What do you want from me? Hattie asked the nothing. Why did you come here? Hattie took two quick steps toward the trees, and I realized at once that she was going to give chase through the woods. Mama's hand came down on Hattie's shoulder like an iron clamp, arresting her and holding her in place. With a wild and urgent look in her eyes, she whispered, Not yet, Hattie. Not until you know and are ready. Whatever that meant, I had no idea, but I didn't care for the sound of it. Hattie began to protest. But she told me... I know what she told you, Mama interrupted, because I can see and hear her too. I'll explain later, but not now. Speaking about these things isn't meant for the ears of the living. As she spoke that last word, she nodded toward me and my brothers. Hattie studied Mama intently and for one paralyzing second I thought she might defy her. Then her shoulders relaxed, and she nodded her deference. As the others hurried on toward the treehouse, my curiosity took an upper hand over my fear. I lingered a moment longer, peering into the forest, 
simultaneously praying that I might and might not catch a glimpse of Hattie's visitor. But all I saw was the rustling of the leaves, and the vigilant eyes of the ever-watchful cardinals high above. I shuddered and turned away, and ran to catch up with the rest.